What have been some of the surprises of New York Giants training camp? I'll give you some of mine, plus a lot more on today's Locked On Giants podcast. You are Locked On Giants, your daily New York Giants podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, New York Giant fans, and welcome to another edition of the Locked On Giants podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast family, your team every day. My name is Patricia Trena, and it is Saturday night, August 5th, and uh, I am back with a new show. I did take yesterday off. A lot of you were like, Pat, take a break, take a day off. Um, I did kind of take a day off from the podcast yesterday, but I'm back. I, yesterday, I actually taped a uh, an exclusive video for my subtext subscribers. So uh, I didn't quite take a day off, but uh, I, I did, you know, regroup a little bit and rest up a little bit. So here I am again with your New York Giants updates, everything from New York Giants training camp. Um, so happy to have you with us on this special edition of the Lockdown Giants podcast. And on today's program, we're going to talk about some camp surprises. Now, the Giants have had nine practices in the books. So uh, I'm going to give you some surprises. I'm going to talk about some of the best plays. And I'm going to talk about those guys that are kind of on the hot seat that really need to pick it up over the next, you know, remaining few weeks of the summer. So that is today's agenda Again, thank you so much for making us your first listen of the day. Or if you watch on YouTube, your first watch of the day. And again, you can follow me on Twitter at Patricia underscore trainer. You can follow me on Instagram at Patty Trainer, P-A-T-T-I-T-R-A-I-N-A. That's where I'm posting video clips, audio, and the like. So let's get into it. We're going to talk about biggest training camp surprises. Now, these are just some of my surprises. And I'm sure there's going to be a lot more that uh, will come up. So I kind of did kind of a, a good and bad type of surprise list here. So let's start off with some of the, the pleasant surprises. Number one, the impact that Jalen Hyatt has made. Now, I'm going to be honest with you, folks. I thought coming into this camp that Jalen Hyatt would have a role in the offense, but it might be a limited role. So... You know, I, I just thought they would bring him along slowly because, look, they have Darius Slayton. They have Isaiah Hodgins, Paris Campbell. Um, you know, they were going to get Sterling Shepard back at some point. So I just didn't know where, you know, Jalen Hyatt was going to fit in. Well, ladies and gentlemen, Jalen Hyatt has been everything advertised and then some with regards to that deep speed that he has. And what's absolutely breathtaking to watch is how he splits defenders. I mean, this kid just has a way of splitting the defenders, working free, getting some separation, and coming up with the catches. I can't honestly say that I saw him drop a whole lot of balls um, in the practices. Now, remember, he's a guy who got off to a slow start in this training camp, but he has really, really come on strong. And Oh, by the way, all those routes and question marks that people had about him, you know, could he run this route? Could he run that route? I haven't seen him really do anything, you know, to make me sit there and say, gosh, you know, maybe they better wait on that. He's basically been able to do everything they've asked him to do. 
And the thing to remember about this coaching staff is that they will put guys in the best position to succeed. So they will find out now, okay, what are you good at doing, Jalen Hyatt? What aren't you good at doing just yet? And what do we need to work on? And, you know, credit goes to the coaching staff for figuring all that out. And, of course, credit goes to the player for just taking to the coaching and just really coming on strong. So I think moving forward that Jalen Hyatt, if he continues the way he's been going, could have a much bigger role on offense than what we have seen thus far. So I'm really excited about that and very pleasantly surprised, I might add. All right. Um, Another surprise that I'm not sure a lot of us saw coming was the emergence of Trey Hawkins. Now, Trey Hawkins, six-round draft pick. You know, usually you get to day three picks and you're like, okay, they're hit and miss, um, especially the lower they are in, in terms of the order. Trey Hawkins, ladies and gentlemen, has been making push a push for uh, first-team defensive snaps, and he's actually been getting some of them with the first-team um, he is lined up at cornerback. The kid just makes plays, sticky coverage, just a lot to like about his game. You know, aggressive. He's not afraid to get physical at the line of scrimmage. And just, you know, what's really impressive with him is how well he tracks the ball and how well he sticks to the receiver's hip. So he's made a lot of good headway and a lot of progress to where, you know, he's been an eye opener in this camp. And that's a good thing because, you know, Moving forward, okay, you figured the Giants are going to go with Deontay Banks and Adoree Jackson as their outside cornerbacks. And there was hope that maybe Aaron Robinson would be another guy, but he's been on pup. You know, Cordell Flott, they put in the slot for the most part. So, you know, you look at the depth at cornerback and, you know, coming in and you say to yourself, well, you know, it's not as strong as you'd like it to be. But Trey Hawkins has certainly stepped up and made it so that I don't think it's really a worry anymore. You know, if everybody stays healthy, I don't think it's a worry anymore. Now, piggybacking off of that surprise of Trey Hawkins is the fact that the Giants have come up with a new alignment that we haven't really seen, you know, in the springtime that we're seeing a lot of in this camp. And that is Trey Hawkins and Deontay Banks on the outside cornerback spots and Adoree Jackson down in the slot. We've seen that a lot. And I think if you had told me, you know, back in the, you know, the start of camp that Adoree Jackson might be seeing time in the slot, I would have said, nah, I don't see that happening. I would have said, you know, it's going to be between Cordell Flott and, um, you know, Darnay Holmes, the incumbent. But you know what? That combination of Banks and, um, and, and Hawkins on the outside and Jackson in the slot, that's been a pretty lethal combination. I don't think very many balls have been completed against those guys, to be honest with you. So we'll see if the Giants continue to use that, but certainly that was an intriguing and surprising development for the New York Giants. Um, Another surprise I will give you here is Ben Bredesen. Now, Ben Bredesen, I I never really doubted that he was going to make the roster. I still say he's going to make the roster. But I just wasn't sure where he was going to fit in. And to his credit, folks, Ben Bredesen has played every single interior offensive line position, left guard, right guard, center. 
and he's looked good at all three. So that got me thinking, okay, ideally you figure John Michael Schmitz is going to be the center. You get the impression that they would like for Joshua Izudu to be the left guard. Mark Lewinsky will probably be the right guard, but at some point might they look to replace him, you know, and roll with something for the future. You know, Ben Bredesen is younger. I think he's, he's going to be cheaper. If I'm not mistaken. I think he's still on his rookie contract. So they might have themselves the long-term answer at guard with Ben Bredesen. You know, he, I think this is the last year of his contract, but Glowinski, I think this is, you know, this will probably be his last year as a giant. Um, Bredesen's been a nice, nice surprise as, as a developmental uh, prospect. So really nice to see him come on. And oh, by the way, in one-on-one -on -one drills, Bredesen has held his own. He's either had a draw or he's won his matchups. So he's gone up against, um, you know, interior defensive linemen. I think the one that he had a draw with was actually with Dexter Lawrence. I think you could call it a draw, even though Dexter is a low to handle. Um, they had him go up against Bredesen, and Bredesen handled him. You know, I mean, he gave up a little ground because Dexter's just so strong and powerful. But I don't think Bredesen let Dexter get past him into the makeshift backfield. So that was nice to see as well. All right. Another um, surprise, if you will. And maybe I shouldn't have been this so surprised to see this because we saw it kind of in, in uh, the spring. Daniel Jones has looked phenomenal. All right. This is a young man who year two of the system. All right. He got the big contract and everybody's like, oh, he was overpaid or, oh, you know, is he going to is he going to live up to that deal? Folks, can I tell you, Daniel Jones is playing with swag. <laughs> he definitely is. I mean, the confidence is sky high. You know, we talk about the deep throws that he's made to Jalen Hyatt and the receptions that Hyatt has made or the receptions that Paris Campbell has made or Waller. We got to give credit, ladies and gentlemen, to Daniel Jones for his placement of the football on those throws. He has put the ball where only his receivers can get it. And my gosh, that passing game, at least so far through nine practices, has looked really, really good, folks. Not just the short range passing game, not just the intermediate range passing game, but the deep throws as well has looked really, really good. So those are a few of my surprises uh, of training camp. Um, now coming up next, I'm going to give you some of my best play selections. Those plays that have really stood out thus far in camp. And we'll talk a little bit about, you know, what they mean for the Giants in terms of the personnel that made that play. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Hey, Giant fans, these days, every new potential hire can feel like high stakes wagers for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available, right? So that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. I myself have used LinkedIn Jobs to find aspiring writers and editors for Giants Country, the site I manage over on Foundation Network, part of SI.com. And the process is not only super easy, but it's a big time saver. 
All you have to do is add your job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on the candidates with just the right skills and experience so that you can quickly prioritize whom you'd like to interview and hire. So don't spend time sorting through endless resumes and dead-end leads. Put LinkedIn jobs to work for you today for free by visiting linkedin.com slash locked on NFL terms and conditions apply. All right, Giant fans, welcome back to the Locked on Giants podcast. I am your host, Patricia Trana. Thank you so much for joining me. And folks, don't forget to check out our subtext community information. Um, like I said, this yesterday I taped an exclusive video, a Q&A that I did with the subtext community, and I've got some more exclusive stuff that I'll be doing for that. So if you want to get in on the conversation, continue the conversation about the New York Giants with me one-on-one, visit joinsubtext.com slash LockedOnNYGiants for all the details. It's free to try for 14 days. If you don't like it, simply cancel before your 14 days period is over. If you like it, it's $4.99 a month. And I, and the feedback I've gotten from the subtext community members has been tremendous. A lot of people are telling me that they enjoy it. So I'm trying to make it enjoyable for everybody and come up with new features that my subscribers want to see. So hope you will check that out. Again, that URL is joinsubtext.com slash giants. All right, Giant fans, let's get to segment two here. We're going to talk about the best plays through nine practices. And these are in no particular order. Um, and I want to talk about, you know, what they potentially mean here. Uh, one of the best plays that that came to mind was a gorgeous one-handed grab made by Saquon Barkley, running back Saquon Barkley, on a ball that was thrown by Daniel Jones that, that was behind Barkley. Now, I wish I had video of it. I know a lot of you say say to me, well, why don't you show video of the plays? We're not allowed to show it, unfortunately. So I've got to do my best to describe it. But um, the thing about that play is that we have seen Saquon more involved in the passing game than I think we've seen, we saw him last year. Last year, you know, he was pretty much, you know, in the spring he got some, some passes and whatnot, but – once we got to summer camp, that kind of died down a little bit. And Saquon really didn't get as involved in the passing game last year as I thought he would. This year, I just, you know, just watching training camp, he's been involved a lot more. Now, you know, a lot of people have said to me, well, you you haven't said a whole lot about Saquon other than, you know, when he resolved his, his contract situation. You haven't been talking about, you know, what he's been doing, how he's been lining up which I, I, I've mentioned here and there, but Saquon for him is kind of having a quiet camp. But that's a good thing because, you know, he's not only running the ball when they have the pads on, but he's being more involved in that passing game. And that, that one-handed grab that he made where he had to basically turn around. Now he had Bobby Okereke in coverage on him. And he basically had to turn around, reach back with his, um, I believe it was his right hand. And he just, caught it and brought it back to his body. That was a really, really nice play. So great to see Saquon Barkley getting more involved in the passing game. Let's hope that he continues to be involved in the passing game moving forward uh, into the regular season. Well, uh, obviously the preseason, if he plays and the regular season. 
Okay. Item number two on my list of best plays, that sick looking interception by Jason Pinnock. Again, that was a one-handed grab that came on a play that was actually blown dead because technically it was a sack. You know, if it had been live contact, it would have been a sack, but the ball got chucked up anyway by Daniel Jones and it was caught with a one-handed grab by Jason Pinnock. And that's an important one because look, folks, Jason Pinnock has been making a strong push to earn that starting safety role next to Xavier McKinney. And we go back to, you know, the loss of Julian Love. And a lot of people were like, oh, my God, they lost Julian Love. You know, what a big hole in the defense. I know I was touting uh, Jason Pinnock as a possible candidate to ultimately replace Love. To where I, I figured the Giants wouldn't go out of their way to really overspend to keep love. So, you know, they did try to keep them, obviously, but it didn't work out. So here we are. Jason Pinnock has been playing that other safety role, interchanging with Xavier McKinney, and he's looked good doing it. And that one-handed interception, just a tiny example of the play he's put forth. You know, he's also been instrumental in breaking up plays. He has done a good job coming up with run support. So Jason Pinnock just having an overall great camp highlighted by that one-handed interception that he had a few practices ago. All right. Um, Another play that I would say is the best play. Actually, you could pick this, pick which one you like here. Jalen Hyatt. He, you know, when he gets those deep balls and he splits the defenders and he gets separation. I mean, just the separation alone, folks. How many times did we see Giants receivers last year separate? Not very often, as I remember. I mean, if you remember differently, let me know. But Jalen Hyatt is separating. And how cool is that? Because you separate, and guess what? The the yards after the catch are going to be there. And we talk about explosive plays and how they were missing from the Giants' repertoire last year. Well, figure this. If Daniel Jones could hit Jalen Hyatt on a 20-yard route and Jalen Hyatt gets separation and can pick up another 30 yards, that's a big play, ladies and gentlemen. A big play times two. And that's what New York is looking for. And that's what Jalen Hyatt potentially can give to this offense. So you pick any one of his, his, uh, his plays. And I think you can you, you can count them in the best plays of camp so far. All right, this next one, I don't think really got a whole lot of ink or a whole lot of benching. Um, but in going back over my notes, I'm like, okay, I got to include this one in the um, in the mix here. And this was cornerback Zion Gilbert. Tipping an interception to himself. I think this was on the second practice, if if I remember correctly. So this was early on. And again, you know, I mentioned this in the last segment about the cornerback depth. There might be some some surprises there when that depth chart is finally filled out. Because initially coming in, I thought, okay, you know, I've got concerns here. Do they have enough in terms of the depth? I really question whether they had enough. I'm starting to feel a lot better about that defensive secondary, ladies and gentlemen. 
You know, I, I mean, between the safety play, you know, with Jason Pinnock, obviously, you know, Dane Belton has been working as the third safety. Xavier McKinney has been in there. I feel better about that position. I feel better about the cornerback position, given Trey Hawkins's emergence. You know, Deontay Banks, who got off to a slow start, he started to pick it up. Adoree Jackson has looked good. Zion Gilbert has looked good. So I'm not as concerned about that defensive secondary as I might have been at the start of camp. So I thought that play by Zion Gilbert was worth mentioning. So bottom line, folks, you know, still a lot of preseason still to go, but these are some of the early things to pop out at me um, regarding what we've seen in training camp. Now, coming up next, guys who better pick it up because, uh, look, if they don't pick it up soon, I'm not so sure if they're going to be around. So stick around. I'll tell you who some of the guys I have on my list are. All right, New York Giant fans, welcome back to the Locked on Giants podcast. I'm your host, Patricia Trena, and I'm coming to you on a Saturday night. Sorry, I, I was listening to some music beforehand. So, you know, one of the songs that popped on was Bay City Rollers Saturday night. Uh, and then it fought, that was followed by Elton John. Saturday night is all right for fighting. But there's no fighting here on the Lockdown Giants podcast because we're talking New York Giants and we're talking the first nine days of training camp. So we've talked about, you know, camp surprises. We talked about best plays. Now we've got to talk about guys who really better pick it up because they either started off hot and cooled down or they just haven't gotten out of the starting gate really to speak of. So I have a few guys here that I'm going to mention um, that I question whether they're going to make the roster, but we'll see, obviously. So I'm going to start with um, the duo of O'Shane Simenez and Taman Fox. Now, I mentioned in the previous segment that I am no longer as concerned about the, the defensive backfield as I was at the start of camp. I wish I could say the same thing for the outside linebackers, folks, because I'm still concerned about that group. You know, you've got Kayvon Thibodeau and Aziz Ojolari. They're fine. Jihad Ward had to miss some time with an undisclosed injury. So, you know, that gave some opportunity to um, guys like like um, Tamon Fox and O'Shane Simenez to step up. Haven't seen very much from those guys, to be honest with you. You know, they've in their one-on-ones, they haven't really won those one-on-ones. You know, Zimenez, you know, his his big thing has always been defending the run. I mean, I've seen guys, you know, get around him on the edges. So I'm still very concerned about, you know, outside linebacker. You know, um, they have a, a couple of other guys in, in camp, you know, Bauer, who they picked up. Haven't really seen a whole lot of hit from him. Those bottom of the depth chart guys got to pick it up because if God forbid O'Shane's, uh, excuse me, Aziz Ojolari or Kayvon Thibodeau gets injured and can't play, God forbid, I think that team's going to, you know, scramble, if you will. So that is, you know, number one concern for me is the outside linebacker spot. Another kind of concern for me, and 
you know, it's interesting. I was having this conversation on the sideline uh, Saturday night with one of my colleagues, and that was about Sterling Shepard. Now, here's the thing with the Giants. The Giants have a lot of slot receivers. You know, Cole Beasley can play the slot. Um, Paris Campbell, I think, can play the slot if you ask him to. Shepard can play the slot. Wandale Robinson, who's on Pup, can play the slot. You know, uh, Jamison Crowder can play the slot. Okay, how many slot receivers would this team realistically keep? And especially, how many are they going to keep that don't contribute on special teams? Hmm. Let's talk about that for a second here. So Beasley, I, I don't think contributes on special teams. Shepard does not contribute on special teams. Of course, Shepard right now in, in, in training camp is practicing one-on-one office. They bring him back off of the pup list. All right. Crowder does participate on special teams. He could be a punt returner. So at the end of the day, when you're making up your, your uh, 53-man roster projections and you're doing receivers, can you really justify having Sterling Shepard on the roster? I don't know that you can. And that pains me to say it because I think the world of Shep, I really do. I want to see him end his career on his terms. But how do you justify that? You know, you, you figure if the Giants keep seven receivers, at least at least the bottom three are going to have to contribute on special teams, or at least two of those bottom threes will have to contribute on special teams. So how do you justify it? You know, do you just say, okay, look, Shep, we gave you a chance, not working out, but hey, look, we love you and we'll, we'll give you, we'll find you a role in the front office. That's what I think could potentially happen for him because I just don't know how you can justify keeping him and Jamison Crowder and Cole Beasley when two of those three guys, only one of them contributes on special teams. You know, oh, and by the way, if we're talking about receivers in general, I don't believe Isaiah Hodgins contributes on specials, okay? Um, I think Darius Slayton was limited. So you got to get guys who can contribute on special, especially at the bottom of that depth chart at receiver. So that's something to keep an eye on. Um, another guy that uh, needs to pick it up now some of you have asked me, why am I picking on him? And this is Darnay Holmes. Folks, I like Darnay. I don't think he's a bad player. I think last year he maybe got a little too aggressive at times and it cost him. But, you know, when I look at, you know, players who are potentially on the bubble, I'm looking at all things, you know, including what kind of snaps is he getting? How's he doing with those snaps? his salary cap hit. And I just, I don't know, you know, you, you watch the giants and how they, they play different guys in the slot. You know, you kind of get the impression you, that they like Cordell flat in that slot position. And, you know, from a business perspective, they're going to need to clear more cap space. And that's why, you know, I say that Darnay Holmes is in danger of not making this roster, you know, not to mention, you know, he's an aggressive corner. I have seen him, you know, make a few plays on balls with the twos and the threes. 
Um, not so much so with the ones, but um, got to give them more. And I just get the feeling that he's not going to make it. It's nothing personal against him, you know, but again, it's common sense and, and what you're seeing from the players in practice. Uh, okay, another guy that I wonder what his status is going to be. Um, Gary Brightwell. Because in camp the last couple of days, you've seen Eric Gray returning kickoffs. Now, you know, they've got that new kickoff rule. I get it. So it really doesn't mean anything. But now that Saquon is back in camp, you figure the first two running backs are going to be Saquon and Matt Breida. Eric Gray is going to be one of those running backs. He's going to probably be like the third guy. Now, do they keep a fourth guy on the roster or do they put somebody on the, on the practice squad? Is it going to be maybe Gary Brightwell goes to the practice squad? You know, is it going to be James Robinson who really hasn't, you know, stood out to me? Is it going to be just Sean Corbin? really hasn't popped out you know do they go with just the three running backs and figure you know if they need a fullback they can play like Chris Myrick if he makes the roster or Daniel Bellinger that's going to be an interesting question that needs to be resolved and I just think that you know Gary Brightwell that again if you're not contributing on special teams what are we doing here and Brightwell by the way is more than just a, you know, can do more than just return kickoffs. He can contribute in other ways. But I question his hold on this roster spot that he has and if he's going to make it. But again, you've got the preseason games coming up. You've got plenty of opportunities. But, uh, you know, I just wonder maybe the Giants keep an extra tight end because you get the impression I'm watching them they're going to run a lot of 12 and maybe uh, 13 personnel, which for those of you who don't know what the numbers mean, um, the first number is the number of running backs. The second number is the number of tight ends. So 12 personnel would be one running back, two tight ends, 13 would be one running back, three tight ends. So you wonder about that. You wonder if maybe they're going to keep an extra receiver. Now, the numbers, the actual numbers are going to be dictated by injuries in part, you know. So if they have a, a rash of injuries, they're probably going to have to keep an extra guy at a certain position. So all that's going to get sorted out over the next few weeks, and we'll see how it plays out. Now, coming up for the Giants next week, they are off to Detroit. They're going to practice at, at the Quest on Monday. It's going to be a short practice and probably a padless practice, I would think. Then they go out right after uh, practice on Monday to Detroit. They'll be in Detroit Tuesday, Wednesday to uh, scrimmage against the Lions. There's no practice on Thursday. And then on Friday, preseason game, folks. We're going to see some football. So we, of course, here at the Lockdown Giants podcast, will keep you up to date as we are Monday through Friday here for you on all things New York Giants. So that is going to do it for this edition of the Locked on Giants podcast, folks. I want to thank you again for making us your first listen of the day, or if you're watching on YouTube, your first watch of the day. My name is Patricia Trena. I will see you again on Monday, Giant fans.